Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. How many of you have heard these phrases during this, quote, so-called pandemic? I've been so um, tired of hearing this. During these trying and uncertain times. Now, if you've said these things, don't take offense to what I'm about to say. God's got this. Well, what does that mean? As a matter of fact, these are not uncertain times if you know God. It's only if you don't know God and don't know His Word that there are uncertain times. These are not uncertain times. We're all in this together. I'm not. I'm not in this together in agreement with all those that are woe is me and poor us and what's going to happen. God was not caught by surprise. Well, what does that mean? God knows everything. Uh, God's using, now I've actually heard these from ministers. God's using this virus for our good. That's contrary to Scripture. The Bible says in James 1.13, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man with evil. Um, Satan meant, what Satan meant for evil, God is using for our good. Again, James 1.13, that is not biblical. Um, it's drawing us closer to Him. Oh, yeah? Then where is everybody? <laughs> I heard a pastor say that they're going to start a separate service now uh, for people uh, that want to wear masks because they won't come to church with people that are not wearing masks. So they've started a separate service just for people to wear masks. Well, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just want you to think about these things. Well, all things work together for our good. That's only part of the Scripture. What works together for our good in Romans 8, 26 is what the Holy Spirit prayed according to the will of God. That's what works together for our good. And the fourth horseman of the apocalypse is riding through right now. Now, if you go over to Revelation 6, you'll read about all of the horsemen, all of the vials, all of the seals. But I just want to let you know, in case you don't know, Revelation 6 is describing events that take place right in the middle of the Great Tribulation period. Not now. We are not in the Great Tribulation period yet. And according to the Bible, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, which many don't, after Revelation chapter 4, the church is no longer on the earth anyway. It's seated with God in the heavens. Now, there's different and various philosophies about the rapture of the church. I had one minister, and I know him. 
He's a great man of God, but he, he was asked about the pre-tribulation rapture, and he says, it's utter nonsense. And he said the reason he doesn't believe it because it's not in the Bible. Well, I wonder if he's read Thessalonians. I wonder if he's read Daniel. I wonder if he's read the book of Revelation. And there are those that believe in what's called a U-turn rapture. You know, the rapture and the second coming are two distinct events. The rapture of the church is when the church is caught up to meet Jesus in the air. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation period when the Bible says he comes riding a white horse. The saints are with him. Praise God. How did we get with him? A U-turn rapture is, well, we're going to go through the great tribulation period. Then at the end of the great tribulation period, right before Jesus comes back, we're going to be caught up and catch him on the way down and come right back with him. (laughs) Now, the only problem with that is, what do you do with the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is taking place in heaven, and the church, is, the church has to be there because the church is the one that's involved in the judgment seat of Christ. We're getting rewarded for what we've done in His body, and we're having the marriage supper of the, of the Lord. If we're still on the earth, who is up there having the marriage supper of the Lord and the judgment seat of Christ with the Lord Jesus Christ? So it doesn't fit. It doesn't match. Now, I said all that to say this. <laughs> Have you ever heard of an author, a motivational speaker uh, by the name of Stephen Covey? Some of you businessmen or women may have one of his daytimers or one of his books. He's made a lot of statements that business people go by. And one of his famous statements is what I'm going to minister to you tonight. It's called the main thing. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. I'm going to say that again. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, where we are right now in time, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Because you cannot, as Jeannie sang... You cannot stand your ground if you don't know what you're standing on, if you don't know what you believe. And there are millions of Christians tonight that used to go to church on Sunday night. There are millions of Christians around the world that used to go to church, period. Did you know that out here in this area of Little Rock, whether you want to call it West Little Rock or Central Arkansas or whatever, that there are only a few churches that are open and having services, and this is one of them. The much larger churches have yet to open back up. And the pastors are the ones that are going to have to answer for that. You know, Nebuchadnezzar uh, threatened to throw the three Hebrew children in the fire furnace if they didn't bow their knee. Now, I realize we need to submit ourselves to government, to authority. I'm not talking about rebellion. But when they give you a choice, there are a lot of churches today that are not open and the pastors are afraid to open them or the people are afraid to go to them. 
heard one pastor say that he had to cut his services back because only 30% of his staff was willing to come back to church. I mean, read the sign. It says, faith builders. They're afraid. They're fearful. I want to comply with the regulations and the guidelines, and we do. But one day, I, I just I forgot my mask, and I walked into this store. Actually, it was Mardell's, a Christian bookstore. And I walked into Mardell's, and I didn't have my mask on, and there were these three ladies standing right there in the aisle. And when I walked in without my mask, they went... Are y'all still here? (laughs) Now they're forcing people. You can be fined now, you know, uh, for not wearing a mask in public places or or whatever. And there are different various opinions. There are conspiracy theories. There are all kinds of things. I said the other day, you know when they come up with a virus, I mean when they come up with a vaccine for the virus, you, you, you can mark my word there's not going to be many people running down to get the vaccine. Why? We've been lied to so many times. Nobody believes what any of these people say. The infamous Dr. Fauci has lied to us so many times, they've got him on record at least three times lying to the American people and to the world. He's the one that said in January at the very beginning that this virus will never reach America and it will never hurt Americans. Why do you want to believe him? When he says he's got a a, a vaccine, you go get it first, and then you come tell me about it. (laughs) And we'll see whether you grow hair on your tongue or whether you howl at the moon. (laughs) Okay, let's go to the Word. Matthew 24. And let's read, beginning with verse 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple... And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now he's talking about about the destruction of the temple. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? The world uh, is referring to the end of the age, the end of the church age. We're in the church age now. The church is still here, the age of grace. We're still here. This is the end of that age coming up. And Jesus addresses all of that. And uh, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. First thing he said, don't be deceived. Well, to prevent from being deceived, you've got to know what the Word says for yourself. And especially if you're watching all of the uh, talking heads and medical people telling you all the things that are happening, there's something new every day. You can, you can read things, hear things new every day. And, and we certainly do honor and respect and understand those that have perished and those that have died and we have much compassion for them but if you really study it out you'll find that the majority of those people had pre-existing conditions 
you'll find out a whole lot of things just medically if you, you get into, but some people can't handle that. They're afraid. They're terrified. Uh, they won't go out and eat. They won't go to restaurants. And our economy has suffered. Uh, we were in a restaurant not too long ago. They had just reopened. And we like to go there. And so we went. It took us an hour and a half just to get our food. And when we got our food, it was horrible. So as I was going up to pay my bill, the lady said, well, how was everything? I said, you really want to know? It was pitiful. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, listen, if you all want to come back up to where you were, you got a long way to go. You better get busy. <laughs> and I complimented some restaurant managers and owners because I said, man, your restaurant is great. Service is great. The food is great. You know, some of the things that we're seeing today in our economy and business and church you cannot blame it on the virus. If you scrape away all the virus stuff, the church, the restaurant, the business was corroding from the inside out. And all the virus did was expose how delicate the balance was. I went to the post office the other day. Opened my post office box. This was last week. Post office box, there was a notice in there. Now, you know the post office is, let's see, in arrears uh, $1.3 billion, something like that. They always want the government to help, you know, finance the post office. Have you been to the post office lately? Any postal workers here? Please don't stone me. Put your rocks down. <laughs> but I went in there, and in my box there was a notice. And it said, final notice, package, too large for your box. I had just been to my box the day before. I thought, this is strange. How can this be my final notice when I was here yesterday and it wasn't in the box? So I went up to the counter. I waited in line. I kept my distance. I finally got up to the sheet of plastic. And I said to the guy, I have a notice here. He said, this is final notice. I said, yes, sir. But I, I was here yesterday, and it wasn't in my box. How could this be my final notice? I have not been notified before. Well, let me go see. He went back. He brought back a package. It was actually a book that Jeannie had ordered from a ministry. And it had written on the envelope, the mailer envelope, March 20th. He said, this has been back there since March. I said, well, then why am I getting a final notice? He said, I don't know. And my response is, I know. You just work here. <laughs> Have you been to a store lately? I went the other day to try to buy something. I looked it up online, and they said that you could buy this at Walmart. They said you could buy this at Kohl's. So I went to Walmart. I went to Kohl's. Neither one of them had what they said they had. I could, couldn't get anybody to wait on me. There's nobody there. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to show you our economy, even though it sounds good and it's good, you know, big, but it's been corrupting 
falling away, falling apart from the inside out. When a package has been sitting on the shelf, the back of the post office, for three months, and they just now put a final notice in there, somebody's not paying attention. Hello. <laughs> okay, back to the scriptures. Jesus said, Take heed, no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. Well, we've certainly heard that. See that you be not troubled. Notice, he puts the responsibility on us. Yes. See that you be not troubled. See to it that you be not troubled. Uh, for all these things must come to pass. Underline that, please, because I'm going to come back to that. All these things must come to pass. Say that out loud. All these things must come to pass. Now, may I take... Uh, but he said the end is not yet. The end of the age is not yet. But these things must come to pass. Then he goes on and he says nation will rise against nation. We've seen that. Kingdom against kingdom. That's ethnicity against ethnicity. We see that. Uh, if you're not aware... Black Lives Matter is a legitimate concern and understanding for the American people to consider. But what's going on in the name of Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Amen. I saw an interview with the three ladies that founded Black Lives Matter, and they all unapologetically said, we are trained Marxists. And they hijacked a legitimate concern and a legitimate peaceful protest yep. against racism. They hijacked it to use it for their agenda. Their agenda, if you don't know what a Marxist is, go back and study your history. They are communists. And their whole purpose is to destroy America. The anarchists that are taking over neighborhoods these are people that hate America and they want to destroy America and put in their own government. Now that's who's behind a lot of this stuff. It's not the people that have been discriminated against and been murdered and, and, and are innocent. These are people that are hijacking these things in the name of. And if you don't know that, you'll be deceived. And Jesus told you not to be deceived. You see on the news the other day where there was a couple sitting on their porch in St. Louis and vandals came and broke down their gate and started going around their property with clubs and bats and so forth and they went in and got some guns and the police came and arrested them. They didn't arrest the, the, the perpetrators. They arrested the, the people that were trying to defend themselves because the mayor said it's against the law for you to wave a gun in public. Hello. The devil is crazy. But unfortunately, we've got a lot of people in America that are listening to the wrong voice and the wrong things. Keep reading. I'm going to come back to verse um, 6 in a minute. There'll be famines pestilences, well, we know that, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Say that out loud. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, this is a metaphor for birth pangs. Any of you ladies remember birth pangs? These are the pre-pain pangs before the birth of your child. Because what's coming is the great tribulation period. These things are just the beginning of sorrows. Just the beginning. Do you imagine what it's going to be like during the great tribulation period? The Bible says men's hearts will cry out for rocks to fall on them. You think it's bad now? The great tribulation period is going to be something that the world has never seen and will never get over. This is just the beginning. None of us thought we would ever see these things. We read the book of Matthew and the book of Revelation like it was, you know, a millennium away. I told Jeannie the other day, I said, you know, you realize that we are now living in the times that we studied about for years, <laughs> and now it's here? Okay, how are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then he begins to dress the disciples, the, the, uh, the Jews and Israel, and tells them that, you know, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted, kill you, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake, blah, blah, blah. And then he talks about, in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom should be preached in all the world for a witness, underlined for a witness, until all nations, uh, uh, unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now go over to Matthew 12. Back up a few chapters. Matthew 12. I should be having a new book come out. And Michelle has uh, been so kind and gracious to do our books for us here the last few years. It's called Signs, Wonders, and Spiritual Things. Seasons, Signs, and Spiritual Things. And I deal with a lot of the stuff that we're hearing today. Uh, everybody's looking for a sign. And Christians are the world's worst about taking any event that happens and making some big spiritual hullabaloo about it. In Matthew 12, 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Uh, I would be careful asking for signs. Uh, he said, uh, the prophet Jonas, uh, actually when you study Jonas, you go to Nineveh, I mean when you go over to uh, Jonah and you study Nineveh and etc., everything that happened, uh, you read about Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. That is prophetic for Jesus was in hell for three days and three nights. and was, he, he was crucified, died, buried, raised from the dead. That's the redemptive, the legal side of redemption. But then he says in verse 11, 41, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Now, back to Matthew 24 and 14, 
it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be what? Preached in all the world. Now, we've experienced this with uh, uh, our ministry and uh, VTN, and I've talked to other ministers that have had similar experiences. The uh, social media platform, the online uh, viewing, the live stream, Roku, we're, we're watched. VTN is, we, we've heard from people that are watching in 33 countries from right here in central Arkansas. Roku, we reach 13 to 15 states every day, 33 nations. We have more people watching online social media than ever before. Television is still the 800-pound gorilla. Most people get all their viewing and watching from television, but social media platforms are coming up and up and up, and more people are watching. So we are seeing the, the day that Jesus spoke of, of the gospel being preached to the world. This is a reality. It's taking place right now. But at the same time, I've warned pastors, don't get comfortable in live streaming. Church members, don't get comfortable sitting at home on the couch, uh, watching in the, in the, laying in bed. Pastors, you know, it takes a lot of work to put a church service on. It takes volunteers and people that want to work, and it takes work for people to get up. If we, if we let ourselves be distracted and stay on social media and stay live stream, we're, we're going to uh, fail to do what the Bible says. And the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's something about us coming together. Amen. Uh, we were with Brother Jesse last week for his visions conference, and he made this statement. I hadn't thought of it too much, but he went to the, uh, uh, I don't know whether he was getting a physical or whatever, but he went to his doctor, and his doctor uh, basically told him he was healthy and all that. And he said, Doc, I want to ask you a question. I don't have the virus. I've not been tested for virus. He said, well, I have been tested. I've been tested positive for faith. But he said, why is it that, that I don't, you know, have to be concerned about it? He said, do you touch a lot of people? He said, oh, yeah. Just last week in his conference, he laid hands on probably two or three hundred people. He said, you touch people, don't you? He said, yeah, I lay hands on them for healing, whatever. He said, well, when you touch people, whether you know it or not, you're getting whatever germs that are on them on you. And your metabolism and your uh, immune system is building antibodies, which is healthy. Yeah. Amen. Your immune system will keep you healthy and take care of you if you keep it built up and strong and healthy. And he said, if you, if you sit at home and you never go outside the house, you never touch anybody, you never breathe any air except what's under your mask, he said, you're, you're going to be more susceptible to disease and sickness and, and, and so forth. Now, I'm not talking about going and, you know, going and sitting in the emergency room and <sighs> breathing all that kind of stuff. The Bible warns us against presumption and foolishness. But Jeannie and I, we, we used to, when we traveled all the time, we'd go down to Carville, Louisiana, and they asked us if we'd come and pray with the lepers in the leper colony. We said, oh, yeah, we'd love to. 
Now, these are people that you, I mean, we preach to them, sang to them. They lined up for us to pray for them. They're weeping. They're crying because nobody wants to touch them. Laid hands on them. They have no ears. They have no nose. Some of them no eyes. Uh, no fingers. You know, they're nubs. They just love it when you touch them and you lay hands on them. Well, we didn't get leprosy. We weren't believing for it. And again, I'm not saying that you should be foolish and stupid. You, you know, if you know somebody's infectious, you don't go, you know, kiss them. You don't go love on them and, and make yourself uh, vulnerable. But you don't walk in fear either. <laughs> okay, let's go back to verse 10. Uh, excuse me, verse um, 6. Now you can, you can um, disagree with me, but I don't know about you. The other day I was asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what's the problem here? How long has this virus, you know, been uh, uh, around four months, six months, something like that? I've spoken against it on television in pulpits, I've had minister friends that have gone on television publicly, cursed it, commanded it to die, prayed for a heat wave so it would die because they said, you know, it was susceptible to dying at 72 degrees. <laughs> we were in New Orleans last week. It's about 100 degrees. It ain't died down there. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm asking the Lord. I said, okay, Lord. What's the problem here? Why? Now, now listen to me. Why haven't we been able to stop this? Now just think about it. Why haven't we been able to stop this? We're people of faith. We know our authority. We know how to pray against. We know that we have authority in Jesus' name. We know how to rebuke the devil. We know how to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the Lord told me to go back to Matthew 24 and read verse 6. He said, all these things must come to pass. Hmm. Now we know God didn't send it. We know God's not using it, right? We know God has nothing to do with it. But why can't we stop it? Because it must come to pass. It's the beginning of sorrows. Now, to help you understand this, go over to Galatians 6 and verse 7. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We are reaping what we have sown. And this harvest is what is being manifested in the form of a virus. If you read this and study it out in commentary, it says... We are harvesting man's passions and perversions. Men's passions and perversions. We have killed 
as a nation, 60 million babies in the womb. I was listening to um, an African-American pastor the other day, and he said that two-thirds of those babies that have been killed were black babies. You know, in the beginning of the abortion thing, you, you didn't see that. But now, now there's an agenda here. There's a diabolical agenda here. It is commonly known among honest, truthful, spiritual people that spiritually African Americans are more sensitive to the Spirit, more in tune with the Spirit, and more demonstrative of the Spirit of God. So if I were the devil and I were going to go after a race of people and cut them out of the herd, so to speak, and destroy them, I would choose those more spiritual people. 40 million of those 60 million are black babies that have been killed. If I wanted to destroy a nation, if I wanted to destroy a country, I wanted to get to the church. I hate the church. I hate God. I want to shut the church down. Then I would attack a nation and cause them to quarantine everybody, shut them down so they can't gather together. My brother and sister, if you study Marxism and communism, the first thing that those communist and Marxist dictators did was go after the church and stop religion. You got to stop the religion. You got you to gotta kill it. You got to stop religion. Every communist country, every communist movement. Now, what's the beginning of communism? Socialism. And again, I don't mean to criticize or become political here, but I've heard it on national television. The Democratic Party has now themselves admitted they are now socialist Democrat Party. A lot of our young people don't know what socialism is. Go look at Venezuela. Go to Europe. Socialism is where the government owns and runs everything. Manufacturing, distribution. Did you know that in China today, they already have what they call personal surveillance? That means, have you ever seen that TV program years ago called Person of Interest with Jim yeah. Caviezel? And you're walking down the street and they have your face on a monitor? This is real. This is reality. In China, they have personal surveillance now. They can follow you either through your cell phone or on the street everywhere you go. And they have what they call a loyalty system. And I was reading about this just the other day. Everybody has to maintain a certain amount of points. Let's say you start at 100 points. If you want to be able to buy and sell, you have to keep and maintain your points. But every time you speak against the government, every time you associate with people that are against the government, if you're a Christian in a church, 
in China, and they're fastly attacking them to try and shut them down. Every time you do this, they are watching and recording what you do and say, and they cut your points down. You might start with 100 points this month, and let's say you came to this church and listened to me, you lose 10 points. Next week you do the same, you lose 10 more. Now the next week you decide to go to the grocery store and buy your food allotment. When you get ready to pay your bill, they will assess your loyalty points. And if you don't have enough loyalty points, you can't buy the groceries that you need. You're limited to how much food and how much automobiles, the type of house you live in, by your loyalty points. That's communism. And that's what, you know, the American people are being sold a small dose of socialism. Because socialist politicians, they'll promise you whatever you want to hear to get your vote. They want you to become entitlement-minded. Somebody told the story, I think it was this morning on VTN, I was watching one of the preachers, and he said they asked somebody, um, the devil was holding a meeting, he asked his little demon spirits, he said, now, what would you do to disarm uh, the people? And one of them said, well, I'd, I'd tell them uh, that there's no heaven. He said, okay, what would you do? The other demon said, I'd tell them that there's no hell. And he said, well, both of those are good, but let's hear one more. And this third demon said, I would tell them that there's no hurry. There's no hurry in adopting this. There's no hurry in standing on the Word of God. There's no hurry in getting back to church. There's no hurry in, in winning your family. Y'all still here? Yes, so when I asked him, I said, why can't we stop this? He said, because this is the harvest. And these things must come to pass. Go over to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Are y'all still with me? Or? Yes, okay. These, you, you can't stop this because we've sown the seed for it. And it's coming up. Proverbs chapter 1. Have you ever gone out to the ocean and stood out there when the waves are breaking and you tried to stop a wave? You can't stop it. Proverbs 1 verse 24. Because I have called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand, no man regarded. But you've said it not all my counsel. You would have none of my reproof. You know why New York City is a hotbed of the virus? Have you ever heard the mayor, Bill de Blasio? Mm -hmm. He's the one that ran Franklin Graham out of New York City. He said, we don't want Christians here and we don't want God here. Well, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, they in, uh, interviewed her on a live TV program and said, what do you think we need to do for our country? She just looked in the camera and she said, put God back in the culture. That's what she said. <laughs> they don't want God in the culture. They want God out of the culture. And so they want to shut you down. That's the beginning 
uh, of sorrows. Okay, uh, go on. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation, your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish comes upon you, when they shall call upon me, I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Notice the choice. This is all willful. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. Hmm. That's what we're doing right now. And that's why these things have to come to pass is you can't stop it because it's the, it's the harvest. It's the, it's the recompense of the reward. We've killed 60 million babies. Under Bill Clinton's administration, he opened the door to abortion on demand. Under Barack Obama's administration, he opened the door to homosexual marriages. Homosexuality, according to the Bible, is an abomination to God. That doesn't, that doesn't mean, mean you hate the homosexual. I've seen them saved and delivered and married and become heterosexual people. But you hate the sin. Well, what we've done is we've legalized the sin. We've made it mandatory that you recognize that sin. And if you speak against it, you go to jail. Are you all here? So we're killing babies, murdering children in the womb. And in New York, they, you know, against counsel and against the majority of the people, they adopted uh, a process by which you can kill the baby after it's born. Now that, you know, according to the law, that should be counted as murder. So we're killing babies, 60 million so far. We've legalized uh, homosexual marriages. And the next thing which we're setting out to change with CUFI, Christians United for Israel, and we are seeing it change because now CUFI started by John Hagee uh, 14 years ago, and I've been with him this whole time. We now have 9.5 million members. In 14 years, we've seen, we attack anti-Semitism every chance we get. We go to Capitol Hill every year. All of Arkansas's legislative representatives are all pro-Israel, all pro-life, and pro-family. That's one of the reasons Arkansas is blessed. And I figured the other day, compared to the national scene, Arkansas... When you talk about virus deaths, we have had, compared to our population, a point zero six seven. That's less than half a percent. So even though any death is not desirable, but we're seeing less of that than anybody else in the country. But, you know, people are leaving New York City. I would, too. I'd move to Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> but let me just tell you this. 
What are you going to do if the Democrat Socialist Party, the Democrat Socialist Party puts a president in office next year? Just read the platform. They've already sworn to reverse everything that President Trump has done. President Trump is the only reason that we're able to continue as ministers before he did away with the Johnson Amendment. You, you, you could be shut down for just the message that I'm speaking to you right now because you're speaking against the political establishment. But Trump did away with that and gave the church freedom. He has done more for religious freedom than people even dreamed of. You might not like him, his tweets, his hair, whatever. You don't like anything about him. But he wasn't sent up there. He was sent up there to drain the swamp. Have you ever seen swamp people on TV? It takes somebody <laughs> almost as powerful and strong as the alligators to drain a swamp. But if, if that happens and he loses and, and we have the Socialist Party come in, you might as well be uh, go online and start looking for uh, apartments and flats and property in Israel because you won't want to live here anymore. Well, moving right along. And if you go to Europe, you'll be in worse shape. And if you go to Asia, you're going to wind up under China's, <laughs> China's um, communist activity. Okay, so God said they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they'll eat the fruit of their own way and their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I'm going to stop there right now. My granddaughter called me when all this started. And you know, young people, I mean, she's got a six-year-old little boy who is very active. <laughs> Plays soccer, basketball, baseball. I mean, he's very athletic. He's very smart. And he hadn't been able to go to school for four, five, six months. And now they're giving her a choice. And they, they, he goes to the Bryant School District as to whether he's going to go to school or whether he's going to stay home on a computer. And, of course, she said, Oh, Granddaddy, I want him to go back to school. <laughs> But she called me when all this started. She said, Granddaddy, have you ever been through anything like this? I said, well, you know, my generation, <laughs> we, we went through, as kids, we went through World War II, Korea, Vietnam, 9-11, and you just go down the list. But nothing like this virus. And here's what she said. I'm going to close with this. She says, what should we be doing? What should we be doing? You know what Jesus told his disciples? He said, I want you to go into all nations, preach the gospel to every creature. I want you to make disciples, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In Acts 1 verse 8, he said, I want you to be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So what are we supposed to be doing? The first thing we should be doing as members of this church, because the church has the Word, delivering the Word. I mean, just, just seeing all the announcements and everything that's going on here made me tired. Because as a pastor, I'm thinking, I can't do all of that. I mean, I did that much and more for 35 years in, in the church that Jeannie and I founded. I, I preached 50 weeks out of 52. And I preached three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, plus all the special meetings, plus teaching in the Bible college, plus doing TV. Today, pastors, they do good if they preach once a month. And all I could see was myself doing all that. Again, at my age. And I'm still a young man. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't I re? I'm a young man. You don't know about age. <laughs> <laughs> when I get your age, I hope I still have a smile on my face like you do. She's got the, the, the love of God on her face. She just radiates. Hallelujah. But if I were a pastor, I would, be t I would, I would have a laying on of the hand service uh, for all of our church members to have the anointing of a bulldog Amen. to go out and charge all the people that aren't here or afraid and drag them to church. Do something, threaten them, whatever. And I feel like doing that to some pastors. You know, I... I don't have, I don't guess I have many pastors that, um, uh, I have some, but I don't guess I have many pastors that really appreciate me because I'm always on their toes. I'm always in their face because the responsibility of this lies at the pulpit. Yeah. And if the pastor's not setting the example and the model and he's not out there or she's not out there, uh, you know, leading the way, you, you, the people aren't going to respond. You know, we had, just like everybody else, we had Passover in the parking lot on Passover Sunday. Everybody came, sat in their cars, listened to the sermon. If you wanted to say amen, you honked your horn. I mean, you know, a lot of churches did that. It was good for one Sunday. Then my granddaughter called me again. She said, Granddaddy, are you going to uh, church in the parking lot again? I said, nope. I said, I've been to my last parking lot church service. <laughs> I'm going to find me a church that's open, and I'm going to go there. Well, fortunately, we opened the church back up because the governor had said publicly, that he was not uh, out to close the churches. He, and he didn't. Governor Hutchison has been a great role model to follow to get the state through all this. He said, I'm not closing the churches. 
And he said, we're not going to send out spies to, to check on you. We're not going to find you. We're not going to close the doors. We're just going to make suggestions and hope that you consider one another and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it got to the point where people were piling in the parking lot. I, I was backing up one day to leave the service in the pickup truck behind me. A whole family was in the bed of that pickup. Man, they had their ice chests and they had their lawn chairs and they were there for the century. You know, they were going to be there for, for whatever. And you, you get accustomed to that. You get used to that. And church loses its seriousness and its spirituality and its soberness. So you don't want to get so loosey-goosey and so, so whatever that, that it doesn't mean anything to you. The Bible says to come out from among them and be ye separate. And so <clears throat> I told her, I said, no, I'm not going anymore parking lot uh, church services. I'll find me a church that's open and, and I'll go to that. So I charge you. You go out and find somebody that's not in church and you tell them, you better get yourself back to church. Amen. So I'll come by and get you. I'll bring you a mask if that's what you're afraid of. I'll sit with you on the back row. You can come in late and leave early. We'll give you a sanitized wipe and give you your own squirt stuff and you can, you know, come to church and be safe. But their souls are at stake here. Because the more you lay out of church, the easier it is to backslide. And you have to make yourself go. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But you need to get on their case and let them know, hey, because the churches are suffering for the lack of people. If a restaurant is suffering for lack of customers, you can imagine how churches are suffering. Tithes, offerings, people working in the church, praising the Lord, because all this is going to be over eventually. It's going to stop. But if you keep watching television, watching the news, and, and all these people keep, you know, saying, well, the cases have resurged, and, you know, we've got uh, more people, you know, that are sick and more people that are dying. If you keep watching that every day, I mean, it's kind of like turning on the news to find out how many more people have died, how many more cases there are. And I'm not going to get into all that medical stuff because the more cases you have are a result of more testing. Well, I better not go any further. I'd be meddling. I already have been meddling. So So I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you all that you would be stirred up enough uh, to... Because you're, you're here. You, you don't need to be uh, have hands laid on. You, you need to go out and lay hands on somebody else and um, tell them if they don't start coming back to church, uh, then you're going to quit praying for them. And, and, you know, they'll not only get the virus, but they'll get uh, warts and all kinds of things. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word, the spirit. We thank you for your anointing here on all of these people in this church, on pastors Philip and Michelle Steele, on this staff. And we ask, Father, that you would anoint everybody here. Give them the words to say, to go back into their neighborhoods, 
their places of business, and all of the people that uh, you know should be here in this church on Sunday and give them the authority and the anointing and the power to persuade and convince people to get back in church. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.